Well, good morning, North Shore, or good afternoon, good evening, whatever day, time that you're watching this. Maybe you're watching this at midnight. I don't know. Um, for those that don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Katie. Typically, right before this, you would have seen me to teach the kids lesson, but this week, Pastor Gary and I uh, decided we were going to switch roles, and he was going to teach our kiddos this morning, and I was going to bring our um, somewhat concluding message on uh, dangerous prayers this this morning, afternoon, evening, what, again, whatever time you're watching this. Um, and so if, if this is the first time that you're tuning in, maybe you're one of my family members or friends from Southern Ontario and you're watching this, um, welcome. Maybe you're a part of the North Shore and this is your first time watching. And so, hey, for me, I'd love to touch base with you and uh, just get to know you and, and introduce myself personally to you. Um, but we've already talked about if this is the first time watching, how to go about and do that. So do it. Go fill out one of our connect cards. We love to hang out with you. Um, but just to bring you up to speed on where we are, this is the first week we talked about um, praying bold prayers and asking God to do the impossible. We talked about how it's more than just asking God to bless our food during meal times or bedtime prayers and things like that but that our faith actually is meant to push us out of our comfort zone. And it's not meant to be faith, um, to be safe or exclusive. The following week, we talked about the importance of actually pausing and posturing ourselves to listen to the voice of God. Um, and anyone who's a parent or works with children, or maybe even in retail, I used to work in retail before I came to North Shore Church, and you know that there's a difference between hearing and listening, where hearing is just, I'm just taking in information. Listening is where we actually let it permeate our hearts and impact us to, to do and be better and, and respond. Um, and so, in, and then in between, we talked about uh, God the Father for Father's Day. And um, we talked about how Jesus, this man that died on the cross that we celebrate every Easter and Christmas, um, that in his, his life and death and resurrection, he conveys the heart of the Father um, and God's heart for humanity, that God is longing to be in relationship with us and us in relationship with him. Um, we talked about how when God sees his creation in turmoil, that it actually breaks his heart and God's heart is for us, not against us. And so today we are um, kind of wrapping up, sort of. This is like part one of our wrap up. Pastor Gary will, will kind of finish us off with a bit of a, a summary over the last few weeks and some practical ways that we can respond to the last three plus Father's Day. Um, four messages over the series. Um, if you've missed them, you can definitely go onto the website and click around. I'm not sure the link, I'm new here, but we'll, we'll throw it in right there. Um, to check out the other messages or you can find them on our Facebook or YouTube page, all that good stuff. So today we're, we're talking about prayers that break our hearts. Um, you know, it's important that we have faith to ask God for, for incredible things and impossible things. And we have the boldness and I like to use the word audacity to do those things um, and to pray and believe for those things. And it's also important that we stop and we recognize that we, we need to listen and we need to hear from God and intentionally posture ourselves to hear from God. 
you know, in doing so, I like, because I typically teach the kids, I like to use analogies. And so this is like building up faith muscles. And when we do both of these things and we, we choose to pray in boldness and believe in God and we choose to sit and listen and, and dwell in his presence, we're building up those muscles. But anyone who works out um, would know that if you only work out half of your body, whether it's like a linear draw line from the top of my head down to my toes, down the middle of my body, and I only work out my left side, eventually I'm going to get a little disproportionate. Or if I only work out my upper half and I never work out my lower half, I'm going to look like an upside down pyramid or vice versa if I only work out my legs and not my upper body. I become disproportionate. Or for my, my outdoorsy people, if you if you only rode on one side of your canoe or one side of your kayak, you'd just go in circles. You wouldn't actually get anywhere. And I mean, maybe if you're searching for one fish and you've got like a fish finder, maybe that would work. But more often than not, you know, it, it wouldn't work to just paddle on one side. You just go in circles. And so today in regards to prayer, yes, we've talked about the practical part that we play and the things that we do in private, but there's another side to the scale, and, and that requires action on our part. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we get into that, let's just take a moment and pause here and pray. Um, if you've ever wondered why pastors pray before they speak, nine times out of ten it's so that they can get their composure before they, they teach from the Bible. Um, and also just gives us permission to invite God one last time into what we're doing. So... Uh, if you're at home watching this, um, or maybe you're one of the, the fortunate few that are getting to see this um, from the church as a part of our watch party, um, just feel free to bow your head, close your eyes, and, uh, and agree in prayer with me right now. Gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this moment. I thank you for the word that you've given me. Father, would you remove me from the picture, and may the words on my lips be yours and yours alone. Father, let your truth resound and every piece of us that stands in the way right now, would it just fall to the wayside? God, we give you permission to invade the parts of our hearts that we try to hide from you, that we try to keep from you, or we try to keep from the people around us. And God, we give you permission to do what you want to do right now, here, in this moment, as we intentionally take time to study your word and learn about the truth from the Bible. Be with us in this moment, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I have a question for you. Have you ever um, met someone that doesn't know how to have a conversation? Let me explain a little bit because these people are everywhere and I'm sure that already you're like, oh man, I hate when this person calls or I bump into this person at church or, you know, at the grocery store because they just, they don't know how to have a conversation. Maybe they talk way too much. They just talk and talk and talk and talk and it's so hard for you to even get a word in. And when you do, it feels like they're just waiting for you to stop talking so that they can continue talking. Or maybe they're on the other end of the extreme and trying to have a conversation with them is like pulling teeth. It, it feels like they are disengaged, that they're not interested in what's going, what's going on, what you're saying. They just can't wait for you to stop talking. That's, at least that's how it feels, right? And so when we talk to God, it's not always like that. We, we pray, we talk for a little bit, and then we pause and we listen and, 
we wait for God to answer. And then maybe we pray a little bit and then we listen and, and God speaks. And usually when we come out of these, these prayer times and these moments with God, um, we walk away feeling full of hope and encouraged. And maybe God didn't speak to us in a loud, booming voice. Maybe he did. Maybe sometimes it's just this overwhelming sense of peace or this overwhelming sense of joy and fulfillment and gratitude that we have. Maybe it's it's a little unction to, to go do something. Maybe it's to text that friend or it's um, to go listen to a, song, a particular song or to read our Bible or whatever. Maybe God calls to, to our hearts like a, a message or a quote from a, a sermon, like what you're listening to right now and watching right now. Maybe it's a lyric from a song or a verse in the Bible. Um, but the whole point is that when we, when we walk out of these prayer times with God where we talk and we listen and we talk and we listen, we come out of this benefiting from those moments with God. But, you know, just like trying to have a conversation with that disengaged friend or the friend that won't stop talking, um, it doesn't really feel too fantastic trying to have a conversation with them because we never really feel like our feelings are acknowledged. Um, they don't usually ask for your opinion or your thoughts. And if they do, sometimes it's out of obligation. Sometimes it's they're just waiting for you to stop talking so that either the conversation will end or so that they can keep talking and give you their thoughts and opinions because those matter more. Now, if I may go there for a moment, sometimes in, in our prayer lives and when we talk to God, we can be that friend. Oftentimes we will come to God and, and we will talk to him and we only want to listen when the things that God says to us bring us some kind of benefit or we do it out of obligation and, and we're waiting for God to speak or we think that God is telling us one thing because it it benefits us now don't get me wrong there are times and there's seasons where it is important to just sit in God's presence and there are seasons of life where God calls us just to remain in him um, and, and rest. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It is a healthy practice to stop and pause. It's like how you plug your cell phone in at the end of the night and it gives it a break. I don't know, I have an Apple phone. And so when there's updates, I don't typically do the updates in the middle of the day. I do them at night so that my phone, like my, my time on my phone is not impeded or interrupted. It's kind of like that. Those moments with God are like the, the update moment where we put everything aside and we just pause and we rest and they're okay. But if that's all we do is sit in God's presence and just soak in his goodness, it's kind of like sitting in front of the TV eating a piece of chocolate cake. For a moment, it's nice maybe for a couple of moments. Maybe you're in a really busy season right now and you just need a staycation at home. You just need to like press pause and binge watch your favorite show on Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever. Binge out, eat some, some junk food and call it a day, call it a moment. 
But if that's all we ever did, we become morbidly obese, friends. I'm not a doctor, but I know what happens when all you eat is junk and you never really move from the couch. You know, it, and the other thing too is that those faith muscles that we talked about, those, uh, the, the boldness that we have to pray and believe for God to do incredible things, and those listening ears that were attentive and ready to hear from God eventually become weaker and weaker because they're not getting used. If that, if all we ever do is just sit and soak in God's presence. I am, I heard another comparison uh, in a video not too long ago from a pastor down in Baltimore, Baltimore Maryland. Um, and he was comparing Christians, people like you and I who believe and follow God, um, to the movie Finding Nemo. Now, if you are above the age of, or I'm gonna try that again. If you're above the age of 12, um, or maybe you're not a parent who has kids that would have made you watch this movie, or you're not a big kid at heart like myself or, or the Aduno family um, who just love Disney, and you have never seen Finding Nemo, here is like the 30 second synopsis of the movie so that you can understand this illustration with me. Um, so Finding Nemo is about a father clownfish named Marlin who very quickly becomes a single parent when his wife and all of their little fish egg babies gets eaten by a barracuda, all but one fish egg. And keep in mind, this is a kid's movie. But because of this incident, the lone survivor egg ends up cracked a little bit. And when, when it hatches and the fish develops, his name is Nemo. And he has one healthy fin that works and it functions normally, but then he has one little crippled fin that is weak and, and doesn't work the way that it needs to. So this pastor went on to say how sometimes Christians, we can be great in certain areas of our faith, that certain areas are, are healthy and well-developed and you know, we've got a great prayer life. You know, I've been listening to this series talking about dangerous prayers and I'm like, yeah, pastor, we should pray dangerous prayers. We should pray with boldness. And yeah, you know what? We should make a good habit out of listening to the Lord and waiting on him and waiting for him to speak. Yeah, I believe that. But then on the other side, we have this little dinky crippled fin of what we do next. A lot of times, you know, we're familiar and we're comfortable with this first part about talking to God and sitting in his presence and, and waiting on him, waiting to, and, and listening for his voice, listening for his leading. But on the other side, maybe we're not as familiar or maybe quite possibly we're scared to ask God, what do you want me to do now with what you've given me? You know, in, in the Bible, um, the, the book of James, kind of near the end of, of the New Testament, has one central theme. And so if you read through the book of James, this is the general overarching idea. If we could summarize it into a few words, this would be it. Don't just be hearers of the word. Don't just be selfish, morbidly obese from chocolate cake prayer times single-finned kind of Christians. Be doers of the word. 
do something with this faith that you profess, that you claim to have. Be a balanced believer. Have the boldness, yes, to pray to God. Listen for his voice and his leading. Be empowered by the love and grace that he shows us. But also take the next step and do something. Balanced. You know, there's one particular section here that I, I want to stop and highlight, and that's in chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. Um, and so I'm going to read from the message translation, which might sound a little bit different if you're reading from your Bible at home. Um, the message translation simply takes a few verses at a time, and it summarizes the idea into a common language to make it a little bit more understandable. And I really like the way that um, this particular translation of the Bible summarizes this passage. So here we go. In verse, starting in verse 14. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags, half starved, and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is an outrageous, is outrageous nonsense? I can already hear one of you saying in agreement, sounds good. You take care of the faith department. I'll take care of the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith fit together hand and glove. And see, even here, James is saying that our faith can't be a private thing. It can't just be spending time alone in, in our room um, in the morning before we get started with the day or at lunchtime because we're working from home still or, you know, in the evening before bed. It can't just be one time a day, just us and Jesus thing. There actually is something that more that needs to happen, that our faith should prompt us to do something, that the things that we believe and the things we pray for should actually be that kick in the pants to go forward with what we believe. So let's continue here in, in verse 19. Paul says, Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you've done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? Was our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works when he placed his son Isaac on sacrificial altar? Isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners? That faith expresses itself in works. That the that the works are works of faith. The full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and was set right with God, includes his action. It's that weave of believing and acting that got Abraham named God's friend. Is it not evidence that a person is made right with God, not by barren faith, but by faith fruitful in works? The same for Rahab, the Jericho harlot, wasn't her action in hiding God's spies and helping them escape that seamless unity of believing and doing 
what counted with God? The very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. Separate faith and works, and you get the same thing, a corpse. And so often in Christian circles, there's a bit of a divide be between where Christians like to sit. It, it kind of feels like there's two extremes. On the one hand, people just love to soak it in with God. They love singing songs to him and sitting in his presence. And it's a beautiful thing. On the other hand, there's the people who try to prove that they are Christian enough to prove that they are good enough and they run themselves ragged trying to do so. And so what James is saying here is that neither one of these extremes are the answer. Both of them are wrong. And that this, the secret to success rather actually lies in the middle of both of these and can be summed up in four words. Faith, fruitful, and works. Now, what does that mean? Well, fruitful works aren't something that just happen because we force them to. If I, you know, went outside and I planted um, a fruit tree. Now, I know across the North Shore, this may not actually be doable because our climate here is like winter 90% of the time. Go with me for the illustration, okay? If I go outside and I plant an apple seed, I can't just expect it to grow. And maybe by some chance it might. And maybe by some chance it will grow fruit eventually. But if I don't care for it, it's not going to have longevity. That fruit isn't going to last and it's not going to bear a lot of fruit. But if I plant that seed and I tend to it and I take care of it and I till the soil around it and I make sure weeds don't get to it and I fertilize it and as it begins to grow and develop into a tree, I prune that tree so that it can grow tall enough that, you know, the fruit is, is growing high, high off the ground and I tend to it even still as it grows, then that tree will grow fruit. And for us as, as Christians, fruitful works don't happen because we pray hard enough or we pray long enough. It doesn't happen because we place ourselves in the right kind of church or the right kind of environment, or if we give so much money or we give so many hours of volunteer time. No, they happen naturally when a person remains connected to a life source. And that's Jesus, friends. Now, if you've been journeying with us for some time over the last even six months, or perhaps even just stayed until the end of one of our worship experiences and you've watched right until that video cuts off, you would see that our theme for the year 2021 is remain. Um, this idea that in seasons of uncertainty and in seasons of joy and celebration, that there's one thing that's consistent and that's Jesus. And so we continue to intentionally fix our eyes on him and point ourselves towards him and remain focused on him, remain in connection and tethered to him so that we can withstand both of these extremes, the seasons of uncertainty, the seasons of um, despair, and also 
the seasons of celebration and the seasons of joy. And, and this whole idea is pulled from John chapter 15, where Jesus says, abide in me, this is in verse four, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. There we go, fruitful works, abide in Jesus, remain in Jesus. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in them, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Say nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Now, here's the important part in regards to prayer, because that's our whole focus today. Yes, this is a nice, lovely, cushy verse that says, when we remain in connection with Jesus, we're good. We got our life source. We well fed, friend. Here it is in verse 7. This is the part that applies particularly to, to our message today. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified. And so here's the thing. This sounds really sweet and encouraging, right? You know, if, if you, like me, have served Jesus for some time, um, you love him dearly, you trust him with your whole life, you read your Bible, you pray, um, this whole prayer series, maybe you're like, yeah, this is great. This is great, Pastor Gary. I agree with this, but this is just kind of a gentle little reminder for me. I don't, I don't need this. This isn't like some radical spiritual awakening here. Perhaps you, you serve regularly and you volunteer for events. You go to church or you watch online every Sunday. Um, maybe you helped, helped out with kids church or you want to help out with kids church. Side note, if you do contact me, I'm the person or you volunteer on a Thursday night with our youth ministry. Also, shameless plug, if you've got a teenager, send them, send them to me on a Thursday night, best time of their life at youth group. Shameless plug. Sorry, Pastor Gary. But may, maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe you donate food to the food bank regularly, and especially around the holidays, you're like, you know what? I'll go one step beyond, and I will even donate some money or some toys for a family that's in need. And occasionally, if I'm feeling real generous, I'll mow my neighbor's lawn while I'm doing my own, or I'll shovel their driveway in the winter time when it snows really bad. And so because of all this, because my faith is fantastic, that means I can ask for a million dollars, right? No, no, that's not how this works. What, what John is saying here in chapter 15 this has absolutely nothing to do with us. Because when we actually abide in Jesus, what happens is he begins to almost do like a heart transplant on us. He takes out the pieces that are focused on us, the, fo the pieces that are selfish and me, atten attentive to me and my needs and my wants and my feelings. And he begins to take those out and in its place, put his heart, put God's heart, and so our hearts begin to beat and desire for the things 
of God and the things that God wanted first. And so in, in doing this, God actually begins to make us aware of the, the people around us, of the things around us. And so when we ask for whatever we wish and it will be done for us, it's, it's not actually asking for the things that benefit us or, or even benefit those in our innermost circle. As our hearts begin to be shaped to look like God's heart, the things that we want don't actually come from us. They're things that God has wanted for humanity all along. And so in doing this, God, God even will take us a step further and he'll provide us with opportunities to bear those fruitful works. As we abide in him, he will spur us towards kingdom-minded things here on earth. And you're like, okay, that's great, Pastor Katie, but how do I know that? How do you know that? Well, let's, let's continue reading here in John chapter 15 in, in verse 9. And I'll show you. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Again, this is Jesus speaking. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. The things that I have spoken to you, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment. Ready for it? That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down their life for their friends. See, Jesus doesn't say, my disciples will pray as I do, and they'll just sit and soak in the Father's love. They will have this like Holy Spirit spa day. Mm. Doesn't that sound fantastic? No, what he says is that there's actually action required on our part. They will love others, not themselves, not their innermost circle, others. They will exercise that other side of their beliefs. And see, so our culture has kind of misshaped the word love and manipulated it to be just a, another feeling. But if you ask any married couple, particularly a Christian married couple that has weathered some seasons together, they'll tell you that love isn't just a feeling. Love is a verb. And now bonus points, if you know what song that's from, you can drop that in the comments down below and I will like virtually high five you because I will also be watching this and you'll be my favorite person in the whole wide world if you know what song that's from. And my husband doesn't count, so if he's commenting, you can get the high five, not him. I love him dearly, but he, he well, listens to too much music. In all seriousness here, love, love is something that we continuously, always have to choose to do, even when we don't feel like it. You know, as people who believe in God, when we remain tethered to Jesus, when we remain in his presence and we remain focused on him, love actually becomes a byproduct of our relationship with Jesus. It happens naturally. It's, it's like that, that tree analogy that if I tend to that tree, if I tend to my relationship with Jesus, 
naturally what will happen is God's heart will develop in me and fruitful works will come from that. The fruit of my relationship will come out of that. And, and the biggest one, the one that stands above them all is love. Not just for myself, not just for my innermost circle, not just for my family and my friends or even my church. Love for everyone. You know, one of the, um, the most well-known prayers in the Bible um, is the Lord's Prayer. And so if you're new to church, new to the Bible, um, you can find this, the, the one that I'm about to read in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. There's other little snippets where in, in the Gospels where they may have removed a line or two. Um, so for the sake of what we're talking about, we're going to look at the, the long Lord's Prayer. Maybe perhaps you you even have this prayer like printed on a plaque or on a picture and it hangs in your home or you know someone that has the Lord's Prayer that hangs in their home. Um, and so you're, you're pretty familiar with this. But just in case, let's read it. Let's read it together. Here we go. Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so like I said, maybe you've heard this prayer. Maybe even as I was reading it, you were reciting it along at home because you know this. This is familiar to you. And there's certain parts of this that we like to dwell on. We like to hang out and camp in for a little bit. Give us our daily bread. Yes, Lord. Give me the things I need for today because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Tomorrow will come. I am focused on today. So God, give me what I need today. Forgive us our debt. Yes, God, forgive me for the wrong things that I've done. We won't go into the other half of that about help me forgive others because that's, that's a whole nother topic for another day. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. Keep me safe, Lord. Keep me on the path of everlasting life. But if we actually pause and look at the structure of how the Lord's Prayer is laid out, um, there's some significance to this. We start with our Father in, who is in heaven. These are terms of relationship. This isn't just... You don't just call anybody my father, daddy God. We don't pray, dear almighty deity, all so powerful and mighty that hangs in the sky. No, we talk to God in relationship. He is our father who is in heaven. And he chooses us. He wants to be in relationship with us. It's not a forced relationship. And despite what your relationship with your earthly father may have looked like, maybe you had the best father in the world and I promise you that God is still a better father. Maybe you had the worst father in the world. Maybe you didn't have a father at all that was there during your developmental years. And I promise you that God is nothing like him. God wants you. You are important to God. You are loved and cared for by God. 
And there is nothing, not a single thing that you could do that will change how God feels about you. And the love, the deep love and care and pride that he takes in you. That one's for free. Back to the Lord's Prayer here. So we start with this, this term of relationship. Then we go into hallowed be your name. It's this recognition that God is not like us. And yes, while we have a relationship with him and it is close and it is dear to us and we can talk to him the same way that we talk to our closest friend, he also is holy, he is sacred, and he is different from my broken humanity, your broken humanity. We are bent towards sin, we are bent towards evil, but he is bent towards love and goodness and holiness and righteousness. And so because of that, we acknowledge, yes, God, I'm in relationship with you, but also you are sacred and set apart. And somewhere I'm in the middle of this and it doesn't necessarily make sense, but I am grateful for it. I am grateful that I can have this close relationship with a holy God who is mighty and powerful. And then we come to your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you see, when, when we look through the gospels and we look at Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God, yes, there's some things that talk about what comes after we die, but a lot of those things are things that we can also experience here and now. And so, you know, as a, as a youth and kids pastor, I hear a lot from from children and teenagers and even like parents, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. And I feel like my prayers will never be like the pastor's prayers or like the the pastor's council member or the that person in our church that just is such a great prayer warrior. And so when we, when we pray this and we pray and we say, hey God, I want your kingdom come and your will be done things to be done your way right now here on earth in this lifetime as you would have it done in heaven in the perfect place where you reside and so there's things like miraculous healing you know it wouldn't take long to look around our community just just in our community alone let alone the whole world and see that there is sickness around us there's brokenness around us. There's addiction around us. But because we have this relationship with Jesus, we can actually exercise boldness and pray that those that sickness, that that brokenness, that those addictions will be done away with. And so when when we when we pray, we are praying believing that the same power that brought Jesus back from the dead, the same power that Jesus operated in to heal the blind and um, make deaf ears open so they could hear again, the same spirit that casted out demons that we read about through the gospels is the same spirit, friends, that lives in you and I. And so we can pray, God, I know that your heart for the whole world is that people, one, would come to know you, but two, that they would live life and experience life abundantly. 
And, but there's things like sickness and disease and addiction that get in the way for, of that. So God, I pray for this person or these specific people who are sick and in need of a miracle, who are addicted to drugs and alcohol and they need a miracle. And so God, in, in doing so and making that happen, would they experience your goodness? Would they experience the life that you have set out for them? That you have set out for us. You know, there's brokenness in the lives of our neighbors, co-workers, even perhaps our own family. It's, it's part of the reason why divorce and um, unfaithfulness in marriage is such a big thing right now. This world needs to come to know and experience God's peace and unity. And so we can pray, God, I know that you're powerful and you can do anything through the work of your Holy Spirit. So I pray for this person or these people by name. God, would you draw them near to you so that they may experience your peace and your unity in the midst of what they're going through? So when we pray for God's will to be done on earth, it's, it's here and now. It's not one day far away when I'm dead and gone. It's right now. And it's worth noting that this part of the Lord's Prayer comes before everything else that has to do with you and I. Everything that has to do with us falls second to praying for those around us and praying for God's will to be done first and then the things I need. Remember that part in John 15 where it says, greater love has none than this, that one would lay down their life for their friends? You know, maybe it's not necessarily about literally putting your life on the line, although God has called many to serve in that capacity as police officers and emergency service workers and, um, you know, people who, who work in our armed forces. And we thank and we praise God for those things. But for, for the day-to-day -day and, and more often than not, it's about caring more about someone else's well-being than it is about my own, our own. It's about empathizing so deeply with someone, so far beyond our human capacity that our hearts actually begin to ache for them. We mourn as they mourn. Friends, our relationship with God has to extend beyond ourselves. Otherwise, What's the point? Jesus didn't die on a cross simply for us to go to heaven and that's it. There's more to it than that. And there's kingdom work that we're actually responsible for here and now. And so as we kind of wrap up today, I want to leave you with three steps, depending on where you're at with Jesus. The first and foremost is if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you've heard, heard us talk about this hope and encouragement and the joy that you can experience with Jesus, I, I would love to take a moment before we move on and invite you to make a decision that will change your life forever. And I can't promise you that it's going to be easy, but I can promise you that it's going to be worth it. I can promise you that it's going to make your the, the rest of your days, however long they are, something unlike anything that you've ever experienced. Or maybe 
you once were really had a really close and established relationship with God, but over the years you've noticed that slowly start to wither away. And so I would also like to extend the invitation to you to reaffirm your relationship with God and rededicate your life to him. And so before we go any further, we're just going to take a moment and stop here and pray. And so if that's you today that, that's watching this from home, from work, wherever you are, pray this along with me, whether it's out loud or it's in your head, whatever that looks like, we're going to pray. Ready? Heavenly Father, I know that you are God. I recognize that and I accept that. I know that I need you more than anything in this life. And so right now, I give my life over to you. And I ask you to do the things that only you can do in my heart and through my life, in my home, in my workplace, and in my community. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I am so excited for you. I can't even contain, like, adequately put to words how excited I am for you right now. We, as, as a pastoral team, Pastor Gary, myself, Pastor Elizabeth, we would love to celebrate with you. And so one of the ways that, especially because we're online right now, that's easiest for us to do is through our, um, through our website. So if you go to the northshore.church slash follow, there's, there's two options there. I, I decided to follow Jesus today. I decided to make a first time commitment to follow Jesus and give my life to him. Or a second option of, I decided to rededicate my life to him. And both, we want to celebrate with you because all of heaven is celebrating with you right now. And a part of our heart, as our hearts get transformed to look like God's hearts, God's heart is that we celebrate moments like this as a church, as, as pastors, as staff, as, as a community. We, we want to celebrate with you. But maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you're like, I'm watching from... Timbuktu and it you know I have a different pastor and I'm just tuning in today I don't know why or maybe you don't feel connected to a particular church but still tell someone tell a friend tell a family member tell a co-worker tell a neighbor tell someone because all of heaven is celebrating right now and this is good news worth sharing the second and now, if you've prayed that prayer, you are now considered in, in this part. Maybe you've just recently made this decision to follow Jesus. Maybe it's just been in the last number of months or number of weeks that you've made a decision to follow Jesus. And you're like, I'm still figuring out this whole prayer thing, Pastor Katie. What, what's there for me? Continue to position yourself to talk to God and to listen to him. Maybe that means that you need to put your phone on silence, turn it right off. Maybe you need to put on some worship music. Go on YouTube and look up worship playlists or on Spotify or Apple Music, whatever you listen to music on. And just sit and enjoy the presence of God. Pray about some of these things that we've talked about this morning, about people who struggle with addiction, who are sick with disease and illness, who are going through relationship problems, or um, are struggling with identity, like the list goes on. Write them down and pray for them by name. 
But then also be willing to ask God what he wants you to do, where he wants you to go, who he wants you to talk to, what can you do right now, and write it down. Because there's something really powerful when we actually take what happens in our private lives internally and we do an external action. Even it's as simple as writing something down and dating it. I can't tell you how many journals, but before my husband and I moved here to the North Shore that we found in boxes of personal prayer times with, with the Lord or times where I was reading scripture or prayers that I wrote out for people. And being able to look back on those things 10 plus years now and go, I remember that what was going on in that moment. And it's so cool to see where we are now, where those people that I prayed for, or what happened, you know, 10 years later in those people's lives. And so lastly, perhaps you've been doing this whole Christian thing for a while now. Maybe you're comfortable with God. And this whole time we've been doing this dangerous prayer series, you're like, Thanks, pastors, for the reminder. That's great. But what's in it for me? Maybe you're already acquainted to listening for God's voice. You're familiar with what it says in the Bible. Maybe you're even serving in some capacity. To you, I'd say, remain in Jesus. Don't lose sight of what you, why you do what you do. Don't serve because you feel obligated to do so or because that's just what you've always done and what you've always known. But remember why you do what you do. Continue to seek the Lord and ask for his wisdom and his guidance. Because if we serve half-heartedly or out of obligation, those aren't fruitful works. Those are forced works. Continue to ask him to show you the world through his eyes. To show you the people around you through his eyes and to see them the way that God sees them, to see their hurt the way that God sees their hurt. Be outraged when injustice happens. You know, in, in light of recent events, it, it feels like every day there's another residential school where unmarked graves are being discovered. Be outraged by that, friends. Be outraged when a Muslim family gets run down because someone thought that their life wasn't worth living. Be outraged when your neighbor is going through a messy divorce. Be outraged by those things, but then go and do something. And I don't mean bang down someone's door or use violence by means to, to bring correction. No, pray, serve, love. One of my, my favorite passages in the Bible um, that actually when Pastor Gary asked me to speak on this particular topic, this was the first thing right there. Um, it's found in the book of Micah chapter 8 and to properly understand the verse I do recommend go back and read a little bit before this but for for the context of what we're talking about right now we're just going to look at verse 8 and it says he has told you O man what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God not share a Facebook post, not change a profile picture with a little sticker around it that expires in two weeks. Don't not just hang a sign in your window, but let your heart be changed and then do something about it while you remain in relationship with God. Let's pray and, and just seal everything that we've talked about today. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you that you are the living God, that your Holy Spirit is alive and active even now, and that you are knocking on the doors of our hearts and drawing us to you. God, wherever we find ourselves today, whether we are a brand new Christian that has just given our lives to you, or we find ourselves in well-seasoned and we've been around church circles and have been doing this relationship with you for a long time. God, we know that you have called us to action, that our faith is never meant to be safe, that we are never meant to just sit and soak in your presence and do that alone. But God, you've called us to take what happens in our private moments with you and make them public to be armed by the power of the gospel, by the power of your Holy Spirit, and to go into the community, to go into our circles and our workplaces and and our grocery stores and, and post offices and all of these places where we set foot and to bring your goodness and your hope and your joy with us. Father, would you make us so evidently aware of the injustices around us Would you burden and break our hearts for the things that break yours? Not so that we may feel low or feel beaten down, God, but so that we may experience the heart of God for those around us. God, would you fill us with your love and care and compassion and mercy for the people around us? Give us wisdom, give us boldness that as we go and interact with people, even as soon as this Worship experience is done. That God, you would give us opportunities to speak hope and life into those around us. We give you all of the glory, Lord, in advance for what you're doing now and what you're doing in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.